Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. Good to be back here. Uh, we had a wonderful time in New Zealand uh, as we send a wonderful farewell going home service to Bishop Peter Russell and a good friend of ours, uh, Sister Petra's father, of course. We had a wonderful time, Try Jesus Conference there uh, in, in Auckland. Uh, we had eight people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and uh, many of them will be baptized today in New Zealand. And, and God just did some wonderful and great things. But we're, we're so thankful that we were able to attend that, to Brother Peter's funeral, and also uh, the, the services there. Praise God. Next week, Brother, Brother Merritt's going to be with us. This is Samoa, the missionary to Samoa. That's going to be tremendous. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. We're all familiar with this passage of Scripture going to read very quickly, but I want to read this so that you can see uh, exactly what happened in the Word of God. It's to the, the start of the church. And when the day of Pentecost, the word Pentecost means 50, was fully come, 50 days after Passover, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as if a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Not fire, but like fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I want you to jump down to uh, verse number 12. They were speaking in tongues, and they were spilt out on the streets, speaking all kinds of languages that some people were able to understand in their dialect, their language. Verse 12, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what means this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. They thought they're drunk, seeing such demonstration. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, this is the very first sermon of the Christian church, spoken nearly 2,000 years ago lifted up his voice and said unto them you men of Judea and all of you that dwell at Jerusalem be this known unto you and hearken unto my words for they are not drunk as you suppose as you think seeing it is but the, uh, the third hour of the day it's only nine in the morning but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last day saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. He, he's talking about some, some supernatural stuff right here. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I want to preach to you on this thought, Pentecost. This is that. This is that. Hallelujah. Let's pray, shall we? I wonder if you could join with me and pray for Sister Janet. She's in the hospital today, but we believe in God that he would bring a miraculous healing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence. 
thank you for your power. We thank you for your healing virtue. And we ask once again that you would heal our sister, Sister Janet, Lord God, and, and also young Lahaina, Lord Jesus, uh, who uh, broke her arm, Lord God. Uh, Brother Leon's daughter, we ask you to bring healing to these precious children of yours. Recover them now, we ask you, Lord, even in this same hour, Lord God, that you would heal them by the power of the name of Jesus. Lord God, I'm asking you to speak to us once again. Anoint your servant, anoint your people as you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you clap your hands once, once again and thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Pentecost Sunday. A day that one would think would be celebrated by none other than Pentecostals. But the fact of the matter is, as Pentecostals, we have Pentecost Sunday every Sunday. In fact, we have, we didn't just have Pentecost Sunday, we had Pentecost Friday on Friday night. And youth, a couple of young people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. One of them were baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. But Pentecost, the word Pentecost simply means 50. It's where we get the word similar to Pentagon, Penta, Pentecost, which is 50 days, which is also represents uh, the, the festival or the Feast of Harvest, which is part of the festival of weeks for seven weeks from the time of Passover where Jesus was crucified. But for the Old Testament Jewish believers, Passover was the day that they sacrificed animals to God, sheep, so that they could atone for their sins. And for seven weeks after that, they would have festivals in celebrating the harvest. And this particular day was the Feast of Harvest where they would bring in all of the harvest from the field, all the fruit, all the, uh, the produce of their hands they would bring into the temple. And similarly, spiritually, and of course, you got to remember that all the things that happened in the Old Testament were a shadow or types of what was going to be a complete or true fulfillment in the New Testament. And so as just as in the Old Testament, they would bring in the harvest of crops. Uh, this particular day in the early church, in the text that we read, was a harvest of souls. This was the promise fulfilled uh, as Jesus told them to wait for the promise from on high. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Amen. He says, tarry or wait until you receive this power that's going to come. This is Jesus giving instructions to his disciples before he leaves this earth to go into heaven where it was also spoken that he would come back in the same way. Jesus ascended into heaven, and, and remember that Jesus had to leave. It, it would be awesome, wouldn't it, brothers and sisters? It would be amazing if Jesus was still here. I think if Jesus was still on the earth, there wouldn't be enough stadiums full of people to fit the people that would try to get to touch Jesus. 
but Jesus, because he was in his humanity, in his human body that was glorified, he had a plan that he would reach this world, and if he was just limited in his physical body, then he wouldn't be able to reach this world fast enough. But he said, it's, it's expedient, it's a good thing that I leave the earth, because if I don't leave, the comforter will not come. That's the whole point why Jesus left, so that the Comforter or the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Ghost and Spirit is one and the same thing, the Holy Spirit can be sent down so that it can reach this world. Amen. You see, brothers and sisters, it was not enough that, that God wanted to redeem us by shedding his blood on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven, our sins could be paid for by the blood of Christ on the cross. That wasn't enough that we would just simply be forgiven. But what he desires is to bring something back to life, and that is our spirits that were dead in trespasses and sins. Amen. Oh, I, I know it's cold this morning, and I know it's early, but I don't have a lot of time. So if you're a little cold, you can go ahead and clap if you want to. You can stand up. You can, you can shout with this preacher just to keep warm. Amen. Just to help me out a little bit because I, I've got to rush after this. I've got to go straight to our Liverpool church. It's the third year anniversary. I've got to go there. Uh, but I believe before I leave, before I get through, that God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. Amen. See, remember when, when God told Adam and Eve, he says, the day you eat of the fruit, it says, on that day you shall surely die. Now, we understand, we've read the, the book of Genesis, and we know that Adam, when Adam and Eve took the fruit, they didn't die that day. And there's a couple of explanations for that. Some say, well, the process of death happened, started. Even though they lived for nearly a thousand years, yet the process of death began and, and you got to remember Adam and Eve they were perfect in their bodies they didn't have I, I don't believe they had pimples and they didn't have uh, uh, you know blemishes they, they had perfect bodies they they didn't have to deal with diabetes they didn't have to deal with metabolic syndrome they they were perfect and so they lived for nearly a thousand years but 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 didn't God say that on the day that they eat the fruit that they would surely die well yes the process of death began to happen but other theologians would would purport that that something also died is that their spirits died amen because death is is what's the definition of death death is the, the cessation of your communion or your connection with your environment and spiritually their environment was God and when sin came into the world there was a cutting off between their spirit and the spirit of God and so they were living but their spirit was dead according to the Bible dead in trespasses and sin and so what God came to do was not only to forgive us of our sins when we repent and we get baptized in Jesus' name, but God wants to bring back to life the human spirit that is dead within us. That's why Jesus said, wait here, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And 10 days later, that's exactly what happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when they were all in 
one accord, suddenly there was a sound from heaven. There was a sound, folks. There was no other manifestation that you will read in the Bible about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's not by sight. It's not by feeling, but it's by sound. There's a sound from heaven, and it filled the house. And then guess what happened after that? It filled all of them where they were sitting, and the cloven tongues like a fire sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in tongues. Amen. Can I tell you that there is only one manifestation, one physical sign, one kind of evidence for you to know that you've received the Holy Ghost, and that's from the Bible, folks. That's authoritatively from the Scripture, that it's not goosebumps, it's not healing, it's not emotional excitement. You know what it is? It's speaking in tongues. For Jesus said in Mark 16, said, In my name you shall cast out devils and you shall speak. Come on, somebody, and speak in new tongues. You know what that means? You're going to speak a language that you didn't learn, that you don't understand, that Paul says, when I pray in the Holy Ghost, my mind is unfruitful, but it's the Spirit of God that's in me. I want you to know that the greatest gift of God to humanity is to wash away our sins, but also to give us His Holy Spirit to dwell within our spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, you're just one of those fanatical Pentecostals. You guys get so emotional. You guys are just getting all excited. No, can I tell you that that's the birth of the church? If you want to see the blueprint, if you want to see the model, if you want to see the birth of the church, it's on the day of Pentecost. And I submit to you, it carries on 2,000 years later. Millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people. People around this world are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm still hungry for the Holy Ghost. I've got the Holy Ghost 30 years, but I still want the Spirit of God to flow through me. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. If, if you want to see what the church of God really looks like, it's not, don't, don't judge a church by, by oh, I, you know, I, I like it because it's the music and, oh, they got comfortable chairs. Oh, they got air conditioning in that church. Oh, oh they, they've got, you know, the, the right building and they got all these numbers. No, that, that's not how you judge the church of God. The church of God is already given to us. The book of Acts is already given to us to reveal to us how the church spoke, how they operated, how they was birthed from the very beginning and what we're expecting. Can I tell you, we're Pentecostals. We call ourselves Pentecostals because we believe in the same experience that the church had on the day of Pentecost. But I submit to you, there really is only one kind of church. There's not many different There's only one church, and that church ought to be the church of the book of Acts, that whatever the, the church experienced, whatever they preached, whatever they did, however they practiced, however they lived, that's the only Christian church. Hallelujah. I'm sorry I'm preaching fast because I got to go soon. But before I go, I believe God wants to do something powerful here. Hallelujah. That's what Paul said. That's what, that's what Peter was preaching to them. 
Because when they spoke in tongues, it was so powerful, folks, that they were so filled with boldness, right? Remember that when Jesus was arrested, that they ran for their lives. They left him. They abandoned the Messiah. But here they are. They said, they said, okay, they saw the resurrected Jesus. That encouraged them. That gave them boldness. But now, 10 days later, in the upper room, as they waited, according to the prophecy and the promise of Jesus, the Spirit of God filled them. They were filled with such boldness. They spilled out onto the streets, speaking in tongues, speaking all kinds of languages, Arabic, uh, Grecian, uh, Phoenician, whatever it was. They started speaking, and the people on the streets could hear them in their own language. Hallelujah. And we, we've had that here before. We've had folks uh, speaking in, in, in Italian and they were from China. Some folks speaking all kinds of language and the other people would hear them and said, man, you were just speaking in fluent Italian. And this is exactly what happened. And so people are, are scratching their heads. They're watching these people spill out of uh, the upper room thinking these guys are drunk. Some are amazed and some think, well, what is this, this new fandangle thing that's going on is this just another phase that's happening is this just a this new craze that's going on you know uh, uh you know just people are just just running here and there following whatever thing that's going on and peter stands up to say he says these are not drunk as you suppose he says but this is that which was prophesied by the the, the prophet joel about 700 years before prophesied 700 years ago he said this is this is not some new thing this is not just some uh, some uh, creation of a man's imagination this is not just some some guy that started up and some some johnny come lately to say well here's a new no this is something that god had been preparing long long before this is something that god had prophesied something that he had declared when he said he prophesied that he's going to bring a refreshing that he's going to bring a rest amen when he said with stammering what's the rest he says i'm going to bring a rest to my people the rest is stammering lips and a new tongue shall he bring to his people this is not some some late knee-jerk reaction folks but this is prophesied from the days of old by the prophets and i want you to know something here today what you experience here oh this is not just oh, another break off or another this is exactly what God had started from the beginning and I want you to know it still works it's still available to whosoever will it's still available to who is hungry whoever is so desires whosoever is thirsty for the rivers of living water Jesus said if any man he said if any man is thirsty let him come to me and drink and out of his belly shall come rivers flow rivers of living water Hallelujah. So don't say, well, you're, you're Pentecostal and I'm not. No. <laughs> I, I don't want these labels. Pentecostal, it, it's Christian. You're not a Christian unless you're born again. Jesus said in John chapter 3, he, except a man is born again of water. What's he talking about water? Well, the only thing you can tell, you can see about water in the New Testament is baptism. That's, that's the only way that you can deduct that statement of being born again of water. Because they continued, in the book of Acts, they continued to insist on being baptized for the remission of sins. 
In fact, they felt so strongly about it that in Acts chapter 10, Peter, when, when he saw, when the apostle Peter saw these Gentiles receiving the Holy Ghost, he commanded them to be baptized. Now, in, in this 2023 woke kind of generation, we say, whoa, that, that's a bit strong, isn't it? Commanding me? It's my choice. Yeah. It's your choice, but if you've got the Holy Ghost, we've got biblical precedent to command you to be baptized. Because why? Because God has given, seen you fit enough to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got to deal with those sins. You've got to remove those sins. And how you remove those sins is by being baptized in Jesus' name. I've got to hurry. I'm running out of time. <laughs> and some folks believe, well, you know, that, uh, you know, they're what we call cessationists, but the Ben did a, a session on it last year at our leaders retreat. Cessationism and continuationism. There's folks who say that it ceased. The gifts have ceased. The supernatural has stopped. That somehow it was only for the apostles. Speaking in tongues is only for the apostles. Well, here's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. Let's go ahead and read it now. It says, men and brethren, verse 29, talks about, he starts preaching and explaining that this is not some, some just, just thing that we made up. He says, this is something of old. starts talking about, men and brethren, let me spe freely speak unto you, the patriarch David. This, he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of the loins, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. Again, Jesus was not a knee-jerk reaction, folks. It was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. The lamb was slain. I know this is kind of a Bible study today, folks. But, but I want you to understand something. And then he goes on. He begins to preach and tell them uh, about, about the Lord and, and how David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said of himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make your foes, your enemies, your footstool. And then he said, when, after he spoke all this, in verse number 37, it says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted. They felt guilt. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? The first sermon brought about a conviction, a guilt in people. And the people turned around and said to them, what shall I do about this, this conviction? Because my heart now is convicted. And Peter said unto them, repent. That means turn from your sin. It's a, a simple decision of the heart and mind that you're saying, I'm repenting. I'm turning my life towards Jesus. Repent and be baptized. There it is. Every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. That's how you're to be baptized. If you were baptized and you never called upon the name of Jesus Christ, well, you weren't baptized the way the apostles baptized. Well, some might argue, well, it doesn't matter. God knows. Well, I, I, don't think, I don't think I have the right to say that. All I have the right is to read the Bible and to obey it. And, and to obey it means when you baptize, you've got to get baptized in Jesus' name. If you were not baptized in Jesus' name, if you were baptized in every other name, uh, you know, somebody said to Brother Slyke, Brother Slyke would often say, oh, somebody would say to him, uh, it doesn't matter if you're baptized in the name of ham and eggs or bacon and eggs. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. 
It says, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? What for? What for? For the remission or removal of your sins. That's what, that's what baptism does. When you get baptized, it removes your sins. Well, why baptism? Why, you know? Well, because it, it's, I don't know, in the Old Testament, it was started before the Old Testament. John the Baptist was baptizing people in the river. And just as you go in the water to wash away the dirt from your skin, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, we don't give you a loofer or a scrub or soap, but you wash away the sins in your soul, in your spirit. You remove your Folks, this is, I, I didn't grow up in this. When somebody opened up the Bible to me on a train on the way to Belmore, when the church was in Belmore back in the days, they showed me Acts 2.38. He says, repent and wash away your sins. You say, what do you mean? You mean I can have all of my sins forgiven and removed? He says, that's exactly what it's saying. And so that day I got to church. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Subsequently baptized another time. But here, here's what happens. When you get baptized, not only does he wash away your sins, but he says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And a lot of cessationists say, well, that was for them. That's, that's just for the apostles. Well, you keep reading. Verse number 39. For the promise. Abra, in Jesus' name. She's doing a great job. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, including Sydney, Australia, including Auckland, New Zealand, including Suva, Fiji, including Apia, Nukualofa. Come on, somebody. Including Rarotonga. Hallelujah. It's, in other words, for your children. In other words, for those, your lineage that's to come after you. The promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If God is calling you, if you hear his voice speaking to your heart. Oh, I'm sorry. They say, well, you know, uh, that's just for their children. Oh, so it's not for their grandchildren. So I can imagine Peter, Peter baptizing his own children, but then his grandkids say, sorry, grandkids, you can't get baptized. You can't get the Holy Ghost. It's only for my children. No, that's not what it means. It means for his entire lineage that would come after them. Even 2,000 years later, this is that. What you see in the church, in the early church, well, how, how should we behave? It's right there. Somebody said, oh, when, when you know, because Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He said, oh, we would rather listen to the gospel than to the, to the book of Acts because the book of Acts is history and the gospels of the gospel. No, they're, they're both history. The gospels are history also. And I... What, what people, when people say that, you know what they're saying? They're saying there's a contradiction between the book of Acts written by Luke and the gospel of Luke written by Luke. He wrote both Luke and the Acts, book of Acts. There is no contradiction, folks, because the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is? That's his name. Matthew wrote that. 
Matthew was there with Peter on the day of Pentecost. Why didn't Matthew say, hang on, Peter, that's wrong. That's not what Jesus said. No, it's exactly what Jesus said because the name of the Father and of the Son, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. He said, the Holy Spirit that will be sent in my name. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I, I, just, I just watched it last night. I should have, should have put it on. On YouTube. You YouTube, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the guy that just did the coronation for King Charles. His name is Justin Welby. You, you YouTube, Justin Welby, interview about the Holy Spirit. And he admits... He prays in tongues every day. Folks, God, God is pouring out his spirit, not just on UPC churches. He's pouring, he's pouring out his spirit all over. We, we don't have enough infrastructure big enough. We don't have a building big enough to be able to house all the people because he prophesied in the Old Testament that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon a few flesh upon some flesh, upon all flesh. That means everybody. That means Filipinos, Vietnamese, Indians, Tongans, Fijians, South Americans. Come on, I'm looking at us. Greeks, Pakistanis, Indians. I said that twice. Maoris, Tongans. Amen, everybody. I'm, I'm looking at some Chileans, Argentinians, Uruguayans, Taiwanese, Brazilians. Oh, I'm looking around. What else? Am I missing Greeks? <laughs> Dutch people. <laughs> Dutch. Lebanese. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, God's going to pour out his spirit for whosoever will. So here, I'm going to close really quickly. I got to go. But somebody's got to get the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. These are Gentiles, non-Jews. That's you and I. And they of the circumcision, or they that were Jews, which believed, who came with Peter to pray for these folks, were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were amazed. Wow. We thought, because they thought salvation was only for Jewish people. But when they came along with Peter to Cornelius' house, as Peter was preaching, the spirit just fell. Nobody even needed to lay hands on them. But how did they know they got the Holy Ghost? Let's see it. How did they know that the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out? In Acts chapter 10, verse number 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Because when you get the Holy Ghost and you begin to speak in tongues, you'll begin to magnify the Lord. You'll begin to praise Him. They heard them speaking in tongues. Now, they didn't say, they didn't, didn't have interpretation for hearing them speaking in tongues. Some people say, well, if you speak in tongues, I've got to be able to have somebody to interpret. No, because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, when I pray in tongues, in the Spirit, I pray in an unknown tongue. My, my mind is unfruitful. I don't understand what I'm saying. But my spirit is praying. 
That's why the likes of, of Justin Welby prays in tongues every day. He says, every morning, he just sets me. A spirit of God. It was said of John Wesley, the great Methodist reformer, when he would get up on the pulpit to preach, that they would hear him speaking in what they call glossalia, which is Greek for tongues, that he, would, he was filled. No wonder he turned the nation of England upside down. No wonder he, the reach of the Methodist churches throughout this world because he was empowered by the spirit of almighty God. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you cannot, you cannot be saved. Uh, musicians, you can come. I'm going to be late. Bear with me. Acts chapter, chapter 19. Paul coming across the apostles of John the Baptist who were not born again yet. They were followers, disciples of John the Baptist. And Paul asked them, unto them, what then were you baptized? Verse number three. And they said, unto John's baptism. Remember John, John was baptizing people in the river? Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And so the next verse, verse five, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wait a minute. Disciples of John, weren't they right? Yes, they were. But you see, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. And so the blood of Christ was not shed that could wash away sins for good. They were still under the Old Testament in, under John the Baptist's ministry. So when they heard that about Jesus, they were baptized again. But this time, it was in the name of Jesus Christ... And then the Bible tells us in verse number 6, when Paul laid his hands upon them, watch this, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Hallelujah. Tongues is a sign. But when you get the Holy Ghost, the person received the gift of the, one, the Holy Spirit, a wonderful, wonderful gift from God. And this day, you can receive the same promise. I got the Holy Ghost the first day I came to this church. Young man filled with drugs and alcohol and sin. I was out in the world. I was on the streets, man, I tell you. I came here. I guess I got it, you know, my, my friend, Brother Mo, he, he'd been coming to church for months, couldn't get the Holy Ghost. I got it the first night. I don't know why, maybe because I was so desperate and hungry for something real. I was so hungry for God. My faith just grabbed it, and within minutes, not even minutes, I think it was seconds after I prayed, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was just babbling. I, it was just maybe one syllable or two syllables I was saying, but I knew that something had happened in my heart. Here's the thing about tongues it, is that it, it's for everybody, and it's the only uniform sign whenever somebody gets the Holy Ghost that they, that they speak in tongues. Some will argue, well... Where does it say in the Bible that I need to speak in tongues to be saved? Well, where does it say in the Bible where Jesus ever said, I'm God? He never said, I'm God. That's what a lot of the other religions would try to argue. Jesus never said, I'm God. Well, you just read the scriptures. He was arrested and crucified because he was claiming to be God. He never used those literal words, I am God. But you know, he says, before Abraham was, I am. They picked up stones to stone Jesus because Jesus was claiming to be God. Of course, he didn't have to say the literal words. It doesn't literally say that you have to speak in tongues, but you just read the Gospels and the book of Acts. When they got the Holy Ghost, 
the, Bi the Bible is not written in a like a textbook to give you point by point. It's Old Testament writing is always a narrative format. It's always written in a story form. But from that story, we can understand and deduce like a textbook of exactly what to believe and what to expect. If Peter was here today still standing, what would he preach? I'll tell you what he preached. What he preached in Acts chapter 2. How would he baptize? I'll tell you how he would baptize. Like he baptized in Acts chapter 2. You read the end of that chapter. You know how many people got saved? At the end of that day, one day, 3,000 souls were baptized. Were filled with the Holy Ghost. Stand to your feet this morning. I, I want to do something a little different today. It is Pentecost Sunday. We have people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost every week. Virtually every week. We had two receiving on Friday night. And you can receive it today. If you've never spoken in tongues, then I can say from the Bible that there's no evidence that you've ever received the Holy Spirit. Now they say, oh, fruit of the Spirit. Of course, that comes later. Fruit of the Spirit is also evidence. But when you first receive the Holy Spirit, what is the sign? And if you've never spoken in tongues, it's not a condemnation. It's simply to say, you can receive it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Lord here. I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving here. I want to I ask you something. If, if you've spoken in tongues, if you received the gift of the Holy Ghost and you've spoken in tongues, would you raise your hand? Keep your hand raised if you can. I want you to look to the person next to you, on either side of you, and if they don't have their hand raised, I would like to ask you to, to ask them, would you like to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Is there anybody that doesn't have their hand raised? Anybody not have the Holy Spirit here this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. And we're not here to pressure anybody. If you're not here, if you're not ready, that's fine. But if you want to ask them, would you like to come to the front right here to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Ask that person next to you that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Ask them, and I'll come with you. Lead them by the hand on either side. Lead them by the hand and come to the front. If you, if you feel comfortable enough, is there anybody here that doesn't have the Holy Spirit? All right, come on. Thank you for your come. Come, come Lachlan. Come stand over here. Stand here at the front. Hallelujah. Anybody else? would like to receive this wonderful gift of God's Holy Spirit. The problem with, with tongues sometimes is people, people have this misconception. People think that when you receive the Holy Spirit that God's going to possess your tongue in your mouth and God's going to make you talk. It doesn't work like that because that would violate God's principle of free will. The devil possesses people's bodies, but God doesn't possess our bodies. But what happens is God's Spirit fills our spirit. And when he fills our spirit, leaders come. When it fills our spirit, it begins to connect with our tongue and our mouth. Okay? And then we'll begin to speak a language that we don't understand. People think that this, this ecstasy is going to consume them. It's not necessarily ecstasy. It's not necessarily this overabundance of emotion. It could just simply be speaking a language that you don't understand. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else? Anybody else who would like to receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, please come forward. Because we're going to give you some instructions of what we're going to do. Come, brother. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's thank these, these precious men.
So here's what we learned from our evangelist, Brother Robin. Five things. Okay, number one, what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to repent of our sin. We're going to say, I'm sorry for my sins. And then after we repent, and number two, we're going to raise our hands in the air. When you raise your hands in the air, it's a sign of surrender. Say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm hiding nothing from you. Number three, you're going to lift your head to heaven. Okay? Nobody ever gets the Holy Ghost with their heads bowed. You're kind of restricted, but you lift your head to heaven with your hands raised. Number four, you're going to open your mouth and begin to lift up your voices and shout praise say hallelujah thank you jesus and number five you're simply going to receive receive the, the bible says the holy spirit is a gift and when somebody gives you a gift they don't they're not going to force it on you they just you know hand it to you but it's up to you to take it you've got to want to take it okay and when you do that then we're going to pray and god's going to refill you with the holy ghost and you'll speak it may just be one or two syllables you're saying like when a baby is born a baby doesn't speak articulate words or eloquent words and just like you're being born again it may just be one or two words and then those tongues begins to develop as you pray more and more okay so we're going to pray right now i'm going to pray a prayer of repentance and when i shout hallelujah everybody in here is going to shout hallelujah together we're going to worship god and we're going to believe god for these brethren that god would fill them with the holy ghost all right amen if they can have it we can have it the promise is unto you, he said, to your children. And you saw all the hands that can testify that they've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So let's pray in Jesus' name. Father, right now we repent of our sins. Lord, we're asking you to forgive us of our sins today. We acknowledge, Lord, that you are Lord and Savior, that you went to the cross for us. And Lord God, we acknowledge that you are our Savior and King. And so today we repent of our sins, all of our sins, Lord God. We turn to you, Lord Jesus. We follow you, Lord, and we give our life in submission to you. Lord, this day we make this decision to repent of our sins, Lord God, and to humble ourselves and receive your forgiveness and your loving kindness. And we're asking you to be merciful to us this day. Lord, we ask this now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe you, Lord God, as we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, shout. Hallelujah. That's it. Lift your, lift your hands. Lift your voices right now in the name of Jesus. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit right now in your heart. Let the river of living water begin to flow out of your belly as you take a drink. Oh, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive this promise right now. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, that's it. That's it, come on. Come on, right now. Come on, some of you begin to pray for one another right now. There's others in the audience right now. Begin ministers and leaders, ministers' wives, leaders' wives. Connect group leaders, connect group leaders' wives. Come and pray for those that are here in the seats that need a touch from God. Oh yes, oh yes. Hallelujah, Our brother got the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let the Spirit of God flow through you. Pray in the Spirit. That's it. Let your tongue and your mouth go. Fill, receiving in your Holy, in the Holy Spirit in your spirit today. Hallelujah. 
that's it. That's it. Let it go. Come on. Begin to minister to one another. If you need a touch from God, you can come to this altar. If you need healing in your body, you can come to this altar. If you need God to help you in your situation, whatever it is, step out from your seat. That's an act of faith and obedience, and God will meet with you. That's it. Whatever your need is, this is the house of prayer. Let's call upon him today. In Jesus' name.